Hi, this is Victoria Meyer. Welcome back to The Chemical Show. In this episode, I am going to be discussing themes and learnings from our second quarter 2023 earnings reports. We are in earnings season, and um, it's not really a great season this year um, as companies are reporting out on their second quarter and their overall first half of 2023 um, earnings reports. So most of our public companies have been reporting over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to be referencing some insights gained from some of the companies that I've followed and reviewed their earnings reports on, including Huntsman, Stepin, Eastman, Shell, BASF, Lanxis, Comores, uh, Philip 66, which of course is where CP Chem um, shows up as well as Exxon. Um, of course, you know, we hear what's public and yet there are many more chemical companies that are private and are not reporting earnings. But I also get insights from discussions with leaders in those companies and I'm bringing that into the podcast today. So what I really want to do is, is focus not just on the outcomes and the reports of what we're hearing, but also what some of those insights are and how these chemical companies and leaders are approaching some of the challenging market conditions that we're in. So um, as I start, you guys are going to notice my voice is a little raspy. I've been de dealing with allergies and some other stuff for the last couple of weeks. So um, I don't necessarily have the most free and clear voice, but I thought it was important to just get connected with you. Here's here's my little, you know, I don't know, 30 second summary of what chemical companies are saying right now. It's been challenging, right? That is the number one thing I'm hearing across the board. Second quarter of 23 was a challenging quarter for most chemical companies leading into a challenging year. And if we go back to the beginning of the year, most companies and business leaders were anticipating improvements by the second half of 2023. Unfortunately, that does not seem to be what's going to manifest. And in fact, at this moment in time, and, and as companies have been reporting earnings, they've also been, uh, many companies have been lowering their full year earnings outlooks, including BASF, Lanxis, and uh, Lionel Bissell is also indicating a downward um, trend. Let's talk about what's going on and what are the drivers. Um, number one, continued destocking. And in fact, um, it was the CEO of Huntsman talked about this being the worst destocking since 2008 and nine. So, you know, again, some markets are hit harder than others. I think we've seen that there's certainly variability, but what we're seeing is continued destocking some green shoots, right? So I've seen that reference. This may be our theme of the moment. Um, green shoots as in some markets are showing better life than others, but at best, flat um, and in the end of some inventory destocking. Um, at worst, there's some continued destocking going on because customers in certain markets had built up inventories. Um, but certainly what we're seeing here and what they're talking about is really a flattening demand curve. So my mental model, and if I had a picture on here, I would draw it, is I think we're maybe at the bottom of this curve. But we're in for a little bit of a flat period before we start really seeing um, demand increase and we start seeing inventory restocking occur. It probably won't occur at the level that we saw in 21 and uh, 22 or 2020 and 2021 when people were and companies were really 
um, struggling to get inventory. And so they were holding a lot more safety stock and now they're working their way through what turned out to be an excess inventory, um, by far. Number two, sluggish economies, particularly Europe and China, right? So Europe is really continuing to feel the effect of the Russia Ukraine war. Um, the impact that it's having on energy, um, the impact that it's having on demand, the inflationary effects. Europe is um, is challenged, right? And I think we're we're seeing this across the board. Um, and I think what's really especially hard is, of course, Germany is where a lot of our chemical uh, industry is concentrated in Europe, and Germany has is seeing crazy high prices for energy. Um, and in fact, some continued calls for some caps on their electricity and other energy prices because they had a significant dependency on Russia and other gas. And we're seeing with both the combination of Russia, Ukraine war, as well as some of the, the, uh, changes implemented due to sustainability goals for the EU, um, this is having a pretty significant effect on the European economy economies, I guess we should say, um, and their energy prices and overall demand uh, impact. China is still sluggish. I talked about that recently, a couple of weeks ago. Um, their efforts to kickstart their economy are not taking positive effect. They're struggling to figure out how to rebuild demand. Of course, in this globally connected world that we're in, it is of no surprise. Right? Um, the third theme that is really showing up is the effects of an increased production. And this is particularly in polyethylene and polypropylene, right? So John Richardson, whom you guys have heard many times on the chemical show, most recently in episode 102, if you haven't listened, go listen to it, um, really has talked about overcapacity as well as the simultaneous demand decrease in polyolefins, right? Again, driven by China, um, driven by really this lack of consumer demand, which we're seeing, um, and a number of factors. And in fact, um, Lionel Bissell's CEO, Ken Lane also stated that he does not see any improvement until the second half of 2024 in terms of true demand improvement, um, and supply demand balance improvement is probably really the most important way to think about it um, until the second half of 2024, largely due to continued increasing production in polyolefins, right? We're seeing it. Um, we've got plants starting up. Shell's plant's going to hopefully start again this year, continued production and investment in the industry. So we're in a period of oversupply, which is having a knock-on effect on earnings. Um, and then the fourth thing is really inflationary effects, right? So we're seeing this across the board. This is slowing demand for consumer goods. You and I are seeing it personally. Our companies are seeing it. Um, and, and this is really the effects of inflation. It's the effects of um, consumer behavior changes, right? So less purchase of goods and more purchase of services and travel and other things when people can't afford to do it, right? Because many people, citizens of the world, not just Americans, Europeans, Asians, et cetera, are feeling the impact of um, inflationary times, the greater cost of goods and services, et cetera. 
What's clear to me, what's clear to you probably is that some markets have gotten hit harder than others. Um, and there's definitely more variability in sector results than we often see, right? So as I've traversed through a number of different earnings reports, it's like, oh, this business is our bright and shining star and oh, this business, not so much. Um, and we're seeing a lot more variability um, in results than I think what we typically see. This reflects the general economy, um, less buying of goods, more buying of services and travel, and also just shifting, shifting demand patterns of what people are spending money on and what companies and businesses are spending their money on. Um, and right, some some bright, shiny spots that end up falling into green and sustainable products, serving green energy, serving the sustainability trends that we're seeing and more. What can we learn though about some of their approaches and successes? So I think what I would say is eh, it's not been a glowing earning seasons, but there have been some bright spots. And actually, as we look at these reports, if we, as we look at what leaders are saying, as I listen to what others in the industry are saying about how they're approaching um, their business and their markets today, how they're finding success. Number one, control what we can control, right? So consistent messages across the board about cost control, price discipline, um, and working capital management, right? One of the things that comes through loud and clear from Eastman is their cash focus. In fact, what I find interesting is that they've actually had a 50% increase, five zero, um, in cash generation from quarter one into quarter two. So the quarter two cash generation results exceeded quarter one by 50% or thereabouts. Um, what is this about? Cost control, price discipline, working capital management. And in fact, their CEO is one of the guys that have said, we are focused on controlling what we can control and getting really clear on working capital, getting clear on margin management, getting clear on cost control and price discipline is critical. Sidebar note, one of the speakers at the upcoming chemical summit, um, is talking specifically about how companies are and can be using data analytics and predictive data analytics for better margin management and how getting smarter with your data um, and more disciplined with that data ends up resulting in better margin management. Got some great case studies coming in, some great insights that I think you're gonna love. So that's gonna be at the Chemical Summit in October. Um, sidebar over. Back to what else can we learn about approaches um, that companies are finding successful? Customer centricity. Um, I think customer centricity is one of the things I'm going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. Um, and this is really about recognizing the real innate value of customers and what customers themselves really value. So customer lifetime value, how customers rank you and what they see as critically important and delivering it, right? So it enables you to realize greater value from premium customers. And again, I'm going back to Eastman. They referenced um, specifically in their earnings report, we continue to benefit from momentum in our premium products and markets. And interwoven is this, is this recognition that certain markets, certain customers 
are your premium customers. You can create greater value, both from a customer longevity, from a willingness to pay more, from a right sizing of your business and understanding who is willing to commit to you, who is willing to pay an appropriate price. I'm not going to necessarily say, not necessarily a bigger price, but certainly an appropriate value matching price is critical. Um, Supported by commercial excellence, supported by customer centricity. And that's, I think, one of the key things that we can learn. I certainly hear this as well, talking from leaders in the industry who are winning, winning and having great quarters um, and a great year in their business because they are really being customer centric, customer disciplined and working together to achieve that value. So something that we can learn and take away from those, those earnings reports this quarter. Um, the third thing is the value of diversification, right? So I alluded to this earlier, what is coming through loud and clear is the value of having diversified markets and diversified geographically diversified product and end use, right? Because what we are seeing and what's coming through loud and clear is, um, that some markets are doing better than others. You guys are feeling it. I know my clients that I talk with, the companies I talk to on the chemical show are feeling it. There is a value in diversification. And in fact, um, Shemores is one that some of their businesses have had record quarters, um, which is carrying the weight of the businesses that are not having record quarters. So there is value in diversification. I think the other thing is, you know, we see this from Lion Del Bissell, you know, this warning that markets are not going to improve for um, until the second half of 2024. They're also very heavily weighted in plastics. And that plastics effect, polyethylene, polypropylene, um, the oversupply coming on those markets is impacting their business. It can't help but do so. So, you know, there's always pros and cons, right? I think of this, but what I think we're certainly seeing now in these challenging markets is the value of a diversification strategy. Um, the fourth and final thing that we're seeing, it's the story, right? So I've talked before about the critical importance of storytelling, that the data is not enough. It's the story that you use to tell the data is critical. And when we look at these earning reports, some companies are doing amazingly well at it, right? Understanding the story that they need to tell, articulating it, making their case. Um, and they're being supported by their investors. Some companies are going a little bit over the top. There was one who's going to remain nameless that felt like a pitch book, um, almost too glowing, although the results didn't deserve to be glowing. So it was really this odd dynamic reading this. I actually, when I started reading their earnings report, I thought, is, is this actually their earnings report? Or is this a press release about something else? Oh no, it was their earnings report. So, okay. Interesting. Um, but nonetheless, the value of storytelling, how you weave in your stories about the whys, how you weave in the stories about your customers, how you are narrating your results um, and the data that supports your results to get the outcomes that you want um, and to paint the picture is critical. And I think that's where we can see and, and um, 
there are some winners and losers. I may actually include that assessment um, in my uh, blog post. So go check it out on thechemicalshow.com. Um, for today, I'll, I'll, I'll include some of what I think some of the winners and losers are in terms of the story they've told around their earnings. Um, and you can tell me what you think. In the meantime, what is your company doing to be successful in the current environment, right? So where do they fall in the spectrum of control what we can control, customer centricity, valuing diversification, which of course that's a long-term, not a short-term strategy, um, or just storytelling and managing the narrative to investors, to customers, to business partners. Um, I want to hear from you. Shoot me a message on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, and I'd love to hear that story. In the meantime, don't forget about the Chemical Summit. You're not going to forget about it. I'm not going to forget about it. The Chemical Summit, first annual Chemical Summit is coming up in October 24th and 25th in the Woodlands, Texas. And one of the topics that we're going to be talking about, we've got a number of great topics and speakers on the docket. Um, but one of the topics we're talking about is really this an economic outlook for 2024 and beyond and its impact on the chemical industry. And therefore, what can you do with that? So there's going to be some great insights and learnings at the Chemical Summit. I hope to see you there. If you haven't registered yet, there's still some spots. Um, head on over to thechemicalsummit.com to reserve your seat. And I am looking forward to seeing you there. That's it for the chemical show today. Thank you for listening, following, and sharing. Um, if you haven't yet left a rating or review, get out there and do it. That really helps. And I am looking forward to talking to you again soon. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.